0: This is A Disciple's Point of View, One Disciple's Perspective on God's Word. My name is Craig, and I'll be your host today as we go through a myriad of topics related to Christianity. Welcome to Episode 1 of A Disciple's Point of View. Obviously, you heard in the opening that this is a particular disciple's perspective on God's Word. One criticism that I have heard to that is that, well... Nobody really cares what any one particular disciple or any one particular person pastor etc believes or thinks about God's word they just simply care about what it says I disagree with that sentiment and here's why everybody has a particular pastor or teacher that they like to listen to as far as me give you a little bit of insight as to who I like to go to to learn about God's word is a pastor from Denton Bible Church by the name of Tommy Nelson. And I will credit this pastor probably for helping me to learn more about the Bible than almost any other out there. And realistically speaking, all one needs to do is listen to some of his sermons and they're widely available online through YouTube and other podcast hosting sites, I do believe. And you will learn quite a bit about what God's word says. Now, this may sound like i'm giving some sort of a uh maybe a commercial to denton bible church or even to tommy nelson but realistically no that is just simply how my view of the bible has been shaped when i first became a believer in jesus christ i went to denton bible church because that's where a lot of the christians who i met at that time said i needed to go and i was at the university of north texas at the time which is a local university that is pretty close to that church. And I was pr- I was pretty much blown away by what I heard. Um, so everybody is going to have a particular pastor or a teacher or whatever that they like to listen to. So hopefully you'll add this to the list of maybe folks that you like to listen to or things that um, you may wanna learn about. Now let's get into the meat and potatoes of this particular episode. I want to talk about how God brings somebody into a saving relationship with him. And in particular, I want to talk about how he brought me into a saving relationship with him about how he saved me. And it's not because I want to sit here and talk about myself. Very contrary to that. I want to talk about God's grace, God's sovereignty, God's just wisdom and how he's able to bring somebody into a relationship with himself through jesus christ so let's start with the basics i was born a while back i'm not going to say exactly when mostly because i don't want to give away my age <laughs> but uh i grew up i'll say in the 80s that's when i was a teenager okay i listened to heavy metal music i really identified with that style of music i was very much into I guess you could say a hedonist kind of lifestyle. Now, I wasn't one of these people that was really into drugs or anything like that, but I was really heavily into pornography. Uh, I really liked getting a hold of alcohol when I could, and that was pretty much it. it was girls and uh, alcohol for me, you know, booze and girls, I guess you could say. And I really I guess you could say, idolize the ideas and ideals that these heavy metal bands had. You know, they were all about having a good time. As a matter of fact, I think there's a a song by Poison called Nothing But a Good Time. And that's exactly pretty much what embodied my lifestyle growing up. As far as my upbringing and the religious perspectives that I was imbued with as a child, I will say, and, and this is what a lot of people will counter a lot of Americans because I am from America they'll credit the only reason that you're a Christian is because you grew up in America that's what you were raised with well I wasn't raised as a Christian now my mom was raised Catholic and I think she was trying to imbue me with a little bit of her upbringing and she would take me to church I had an experience, I guess you'd call it an argument with my father when I was like seven or eight years old, can't remember exactly when, but he really did not want me to go to church. And I can only guess as to why, because he and I have never really had that conversation. The only thing I can figure is that he saw the damage that it particularly did to my mother, and he didn't want me to go through that kind of thing either so you know obviously being seven or eight years old i didn't want to make my dad upset and he was upset that i was going to church so i just told my mom i no longer wanted to go to church and so therefore i did not go to church anymore so i had very very little exposure to christianity when i was growing up my mom did want me to read the bible here and there Uh, i again i think to probably make her parents feel better and make her feel better about how she was raising me but realistically i just wasn't into anything related to the bible and then obviously couple that with what i just told you about related to my heavy metal lifestyle that i really wanted to live i really had no interest in the bible at all but as all people do i grew up <laughs> i graduated from high school and i went off to college and i went off to college at a place called the university of north texas in den texas and um i you know was still pursuing a lot of the same things i was just really trying to meet girls i was still into the whole heavy metal thing even had long hair wore the leather jacket all that sort of good wonderful stuff and I met a particular guy, and I'll call him—we'll we'll call him K. I don't really want to give away his name because he hasn't consented to that kind of thing. Anyway, so I met Kay in my dorm, and he—he he was a real popular guy. He really was just—he made friends easily, and people liked being around him, et cetera, et cetera. So we hung out a lot, and you know, met a lot of people, whatnot. Started getting a little bit into the drug scene and what I know. I said that I didn't really do drugs, but I started getting exposed to that scene from my friend. And that that's particular time, I tried marijuana with him, tried it twice, didn't really do anything for me. So he said, Hey, uh, maybe let's try some LSD. And I was like, Whoa, I've heard some bad things about LSD. I'm not sure I want to do that. And he's like, Oh, don't worry, I'll be there with you. Oh, okay. So he says, but it's going to take me a while to get it. So it's going to be, you know, probably a couple weeks. And I was like, oh, okay, that's fine. So on another night, we were hanging out and we were sitting there talking about witchcraft, (laughs) witchcraft of all things, witchcraft. He said that he was a warlock. And apparently what a warlock is, is somebody who is a male who happens to practice witchcraft. So he was a warlock. So we were talking about that and I had a fascination about the occult as well. So of course I started asking him questions about it. And I said, hey man, have you ever you know, cast spells on particular people to make them wanna do things? Maybe influence them in a particular direction and make them want to do whatever. And he said, oh yeah, of course. I'm like, have you ever done it to women and you know, maybe influence them to make them wanna have sex with you? And this isn't to say that um, I wanted to force women against their will to have sex with me. At this particular stage, I was hoping to influence the girls to want to have sex with me because I wasn't a really sociable guy. It really showed whenever I tried. I couldn't flirt, anything like that. I didn't have a whole lot of girlfriends when I was growing up. So I wanted some help. (laughs) Basically, I wanted some help with that. And uh, he said, yeah, I've done that before. And I'm like, oh, dude, I totally want to learn how to do that. And he paused for a second. He said, no, no, you don't. I said, of course I do. Totally do. 100% want to do this. And he said, no, no, you shouldn't even you shouldn't do that because I shouldn't even be doing it. And I, I was intrigued. I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, I was raised in the church. And I was like, and? because you know i knew a lot of people that were raised in the church and i didn't see that it really ever influenced or impacted their life whatsoever and so you know of course he followed up he said well you know i was raised to believe that you know jesus died for my sins that he rose from the dead and that by believing in him that i could have eternal life and i've kind of strayed from that but you know i i know i really shouldn't be doing this either and that was a light bulb moment for me now of course that's not exactly what he said this was 27 28 years ago now so i don't remember exactly what was said but that was definitely a light bulb moment for me i was captivated i was like i never heard that before or if i did it never registered that i'd heard that before so i wanted to know more so he told me a little bit more and i asked him i was like well hey do you have access to a bible because isn't that what where Jesus is talked about and all this and that. My mom was always trying to get me to read it when I was growing up. So I knew that much about it. And he goes, Oh, well, you know, no, I don't have one up here at school. So maybe we can go buy one tomorrow. And I said, well, Hey, yeah, let's do that. I I would like to get a hold of some more stuff. He goes, well, one thing I do have is I have access to um, this particular guy's tapes, you know, cassette tapes back in the nineties who is, he's a comedian, but he's a Christian comedian. I was like, really, those things can exist? And he goes, yeah, totally. So I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'd like to check that out. I like comedy. I like to laugh and maybe learn more about this Jesus fella that you just, you know, blurted out and told me about just now. So, okay. Listen to the tapes. And unfortunately, it's, um, I say unfortunately, it's a, uh, by a particular comedian. His name is Mike Warnke. Apparently, he did some things or said some things that weren't necessarily true and came into some disrepute. But I will say that God totally used him in my life. So that is also to say that even if you mess up in your life or whatnot, God can still use whatever you do for his glory and for his kingdom. Anyway, back to my story. I started listening to him, Mike Warnke, that is. And I started realizing how i could come into a saving relationship with jesus christ because i really up to this point i had thought man you know i hope it's a really long time before i die because i just had this impending sense of doom and especially with the year 2000 approaching this was in 1993 so the year 2000 approaching for some reason i just had this impending sense of doom and thought that whatever it was was going to happen at that point so i started learning about the saving relationship with jesus christ that Mike Warnke talked about and literally he said all you've got to do is believe that's it all you got to do is believe believe that the Lord will save you and he will save you so in essence it's almost like just simply believing what God has said about salvation is enough for God to save you so of course I was I, I was honestly I was blown away because i figured i had to do you know i don't know climb the himalayas i had to you know give myself 500 lashings or whatnot because of the sin of my life or i guess you could say the bad things that i had done up to that point is what i would have called it but realistically all i needed to do was confess that jesus was lord and believe in my heart that god raised him from the dead that's what the bible says in romans 10. that's what that's all i had to do and i was totally blown away and uh November nineteenth of nineteen ninety three. That's exactly what I did. In the quiet of my dorm room, while my roommate was sleeping above me in the in the bunk above me, I received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Now, this isn't to say that you prayed a prayer or I prayed a prayer, rather, and all of a sudden there's an incantation gone gone out, and now I'm saved. No, that's not what the, not what it is. But I, the prayer was more or less a. Manifestation of what was already going on in my mind and in my heart that I believed wholly that Jesus Christ was Lord, that I believed He was God, and that I believed that God raised Him from the dead. We'll get into all that later because that's a, I just basically gave you a concept called a Trinity. So, well, we'll go into that in another episode. So, I prayed that prayer that night, and I will say my life completely turned around and changed for the different, for the better my heart was more in tune with wanting the things of God more so. My priorities started becoming what you could call kingdom priorities and I totally wanted to tell others about Jesus Christ so that they could experience the same thing that I did. they could have this relationship with God that I now had and that anything that I did I did from salvation not towards salvation or to gain salvation. Um, one thing I always like to tell people, is that the works we do? We do from a perspective of salvation. It's almost like that's your starting point, and anything you do from there is because you love God. It's almost like, whenever you're born, you have parents, obviously. So you want to, you know, once you start getting conscience of your parents and and whatnot, you want to do things to please those parents, and you want to do the things that your parents tell you to do, at least until you're a teenager, at least. <laughs> anyway. Anything you do, you do because you love your parents. Now, if you do something wrong, they don't stop being your parents. They still are your parents. They still love you, hopefully. Analogies can only go so far. At any rate, if you do one thing that displeases your parents or makes them mad or makes them upset, or even if you do it multiple times, they don't cease being your parents. And it's the exact same way with God, at least in the view of having a relationship with Jesus Christ. In First uh, John 1 9, it talks about how if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins, and purify us from all unrighteousness. One of the uh, verses in the Gospels talks about uh, when Peter came to Jesus and he goes, Hey, how many times uh, should I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times. And Jesus said, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. Now that's not to say we okay my we have 490 times now that we can you know obviously strike out before we reach 491 and we're done. It was a Jewish idiom for the day because seven times was considered to be quite a bit that would be being incredibly gracious. But Jesus says 70 times 7. Basically an infinite number of times is what that idiom meant. So it's not a factor of we could do anything to make us fall out of favor with God. So in other words, if I sinned at this point, if I looked at pornography, if I if I cursed, if I got drunk, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera down the line, it doesn't mean that I am no longer saved. It doesn't mean that at all. Now, obviously, the counter to that is well, that means you can live any which way you want. You still say you're saved. As a matter of fact, in Romans chapter seven, Paul talked about that. Oh, I'm sorry. He didn't say that in Romans seven, but he said it in the book of Romans where we don't go on sinning. It's not a license to sin. We are freed from sin. So basically what that means is, is that we can now live freely before God. We don't have to worry about, say, an example that happened in the Old Testament where the Ark of the Covenant was being carried And there was a particular instance where it was going to fall into a puddle of mud. Somebody came up and put their hand on the Ark of the Covenant to keep it from going into the mud because that would have been seen by most people as being sacrilegious. You don't want that to happen. But God ended up striking that person dead because they touched the Ark of the Covenant with their sinful hand and they had not been cleansed. Well, we don't have to worry about that being in a relationship with jesus christ we are completely sanctified we are completely washed in the blood of jesus christ and by his resurrection seals the deal so we work from a place of safety you could call it to where if we do sin we have one who speaks to the father in our defense jesus christ the righteous one is first john two verse one tells us so it's almost like we have a heavenly advocate That speaks out for us whenever we do something sinful or wrong or whatever you want to call it so it's not that i can go sin all i want it's that i'm now free completely to serve god and plus if anybody does come into a saving relationship with jesus christ if they truly are saved they don't want to sin anymore and guess what that after that night november 19th in 1993 i didn't want to sin anymore either i didn't want to do those things anymore i wanted to do the things that pleased god i wanted to read the bible more so i would know what those things were and i started living by them now have i been perfect of course not i'm a human being that you know who knows i may end up lying about something when i've forgotten a particular fact or whatever and then i come back later and i go oh crook i I wasn't telling the truth there but i didn't do it on purpose etc so something that simple Under the old covenant before Jesus came could end up making us fall out of a relationship with God because he would hold that against us. But then again, there was a sacrificial system under the old covenant as well. That was very temporary in nature because as it says in the book of Hebrews, the blood of goats and bulls cannot take away sins. They can only temporarily push back the wrath of God because Ezekiel 1820 says the soul that sins shall die. And that's why also Hebrews 9:22, which alludes to a verse. I can't remember the particular one in Leviticus, but it talks about without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. Because if you think about it, if the life blood, well, if the life of an animal or a person is in the blood, and God has already said, the soul that sins shall die by the shedding of blood, in essence, it means something or someone has died. So it atones for that sin. Now, one might ask oneself, "Why in the world does anybody need to die because of sin? Well, it's a fair question, but God is what they call holy h o l y holy. So what does that mean? Who cares? Well, it basically means that God is separate from sin. It's like, well, okay, what is that? What does that matter? Well, think of it this way. Let's say you have a mansion, an estate, or whatever you have somebody who's come up to your property and you say, Hey, you know, how you doing? And whatnot. He goes, Hey, I need a place to stay. And maybe you're that kind of person. You go, Oh, okay. Not a problem. But let's say he ends up killing some of the livestock you may have on the property. starts stealing some of the food. Maybe he starts assaulting some of your servants that you have there, your estate. Maybe at some point, He does something worse, and he rapes one of your daughters, and maybe ultimately he kills your son. Would you want that person in your house anymore? You might have probably thrown him off the property just as soon as he started doing crazy stuff, but maybe you were gracious. Maybe you let him stay, and then he rapes your daughter, kills your son. Wouldn't you want to punish that person? Wouldn't you be wrathful towards that person? Now imagine your God, you have created this entire world, and they sin against you, or they commit acts against you. You tell them not to do certain things, they do it. You tell them to believe in this particular thing, they don't do it. And ultimately, you give them your son, Jesus Christ, and they put him on a cross and kill him. What would you do? I know i wouldn't be very happy that's why god requires a sacrifice for the sins we commit because he is worthy to be worshiped he is worthy to be revered in such a way we don't deserve that if the soul that sins shall die if that's a thing then all of us are deserving of death and the fact that god reaches down from heaven and gives us any kind of consideration at all should be thought of as an infinite gratitude i can't even really put it into words it's just incredible so this episode kind of went a little bit a little bit strayed from what i wanted to give i wanted to give you my personal testimony But i also really wanted to highlight how god can save a person how god can save a soul and totally save a life at this point in the podcast i want to reach out to you and if you have never done so if you have never entered into a saving relationship with god through the lord jesus christ i want to invite you to do that today All you need to do is believe. Believe that Jesus was who he said he was. He was God in the flesh. Believe in your heart that he died for your sins and rose from the dead. Confess him as Lord. And the Bible says that you will be saved if you do that. If you truly believe in your heart that Jesus is who he said he was and that he did exactly what he said he would do for you you will be saved. It is simply that easy. A lot of people say prayer, prayer. And that's great to confess and put your mind and your heart and everything through a process, if you will, to be able to embody what's already taken place in your heart. By simply saying, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins. I believe in my heart that you were raised from the dead. And now I confess you as Lord. Please take control of my life, and I want to follow you for the rest of my days. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. That's all you need to do, and your life will change. Your life will change, not necessarily materially, not necessarily in terms of the world, but your life will change as far as your relationship with God, and you can know for certain that you're saved. The Apostle John wrote that when he was penning 1 John. He says, I write these things to you so that you may know that you have eternal life. Not that you can hope, not that you can wonder, but that you can know. Ephesians 2 verses 8 and 9 says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. If you did receive the Lord Jesus Christ into your life right now, I would love it if you would contact me. But don't worry, I'm not going to ask for any money or to have you join any organization or anything like that. I just want to get some helps available to you to help you grow in your faith and to start this journey with the Lord that you've started on. Or if you just want to contact me for any reason, for comment or commendation or whatever... I am on two social networks, one is Twitter, one is Minds, M-I-N-D-S, and the handle is the same with both, it's Disciple POV, that's D-I-S-C-I-P-L-E-P-O-V. I'm also on email, the same handle, at gmail.com. I would love it if you contact me, and I look forward to hearing from you.